When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Inside Brockle podcast. I'm Elliot Jackson and I'm joined as always by Ryan Hildred. Ryan, how are you? I'm very well, thanks Elliot. How are you doing, mate? Yes, good, thank you. Slightly earlier start this morning for our recording, which means it should be out with you by lunchtime, unless I've cocked it up, in which case you're probably listening to this this evening wondering why you didn't have it on your lunch break. So um, hopefully that's not the case. We're going to get straight cracking into it, Ryan. You were obviously at Vicarage Road at the weekend. I was at a family wedding, so Dan covered it for uh, for Lanks Live for us. You were there firsthand. What were your first takeaways from what, on the face of it, looks like a, a pretty decent point away at a team that was obviously recently relegated from the Premier League? Yeah, overall, I, I think I left fairly happy. Um, we've had some shocking away performances this season, which I've been very public about on my own Twitter and, and other things that I've done. Um, but it was a performance where I described the word streetwise. Um, that's the word I use. Just a good, solid championship performance where... We stood up, we were counted, um, we were doing like the dark arts of the game really well, like Ty Dolan winding their fans up, winding their players up, things like that. Um, we were under some pressure in the second half and we didn't really look like we were going to buckle. Um, obviously, they did get the equaliser, but on the whole, just a good, solid away championship performance. That's the overriding feeling. There's maybe a little tinge of disappointment that we might not have nicked it at the end. Um I do think Watford were there for the taking. I think after their equaliser, there was a little sniff for us. If we were brave, if we wanted to go for it, if we just, you know, hit them on the counter, maybe, I think maybe we could have nicked it. But overarching feeling, we would have taken a point before the game. We've got the draw. It's a playoff rival if you're still subscribing to the top six view. And it was a much better away performance where it was the performance where we've lost those games, 1-0 away from home this season. Those one nils, it's those results on Saturday that we needed. It's those one nils being one ones rather than losing the game in the manner that we have. So overall feeling, really happy. I wasn't sure if I was talking to Ryan Hildred or Yondal Thomason then for a second, because <laughs> I think your verdict was not too dissimilar from the Blackburn Rovers head coach. And he has spoke so much this season about, you think, the Cardiff away game, the Wigan mm. away game, those, as you say, the one nils that should have been nil nils really, or one alls in the case of the Cardiff game where Hurst missed the penalty. I think that there's definitely some positives to take in terms of the mentality at one all. Watford did have some chances um, after getting themselves level where I think a previous iteration of Blackburn Rovers earlier in the season would have crumbled, maybe even only a few weeks ago. But nonetheless, they didn't. They stood stood firm. They had some chances as well, as you say, at one all too. And it was a good performance by all accounts. And I think the first goal, certainly fantastic move. I think it showed, we talked about this after the, the podcast on Monday, after the win game, but Sorba Thomas is going to give them something different, a bit more width, and it gave the space for JRC to make that underlapping run. Really good composure to switch back onto his left foot, fire a, a decent shot at goal. 
And then Bradley Dak, it, it's it's such good movement. It's such streetwise championship um, quality where even when JRC is taking the shot, the little bit of movement to get away from his two men is really good. But then the feint to just leave the defender just slightly off balance and then roll it into the bottom corner. Fantastic. And, and Dak has been absolutely fantastic in the, in the last few months since the World Cup break. He's, he's started every championship game. He's getting that run of minutes that everyone wanted to see him get. And he's absolutely delivering the goods for Blackburn Rovers right now. Yeah, he is. And, and fair play to Bradley Dak. Because, I mean, I think Hon- I think Thomason has handled him really well, actually. Um, I know that there was the emotion before Christmas and his missus getting a bit active on social media as well when he wasn't starting. But I think Thomason has actually bred this monster in Bradley Dak now. Because I think if Dak was honest with himself, we could see it as fans. He wasn't lean. He wasn't fit. He looked a bit like a tin man on the pitch. You know, he was trying his best, but he wasn't quite there with that half yard. But he's taken that disappointment of not starting games and really worked on his fitness. Really, you know, proven a point to Thomason to say, start me in games because I am fit and I am ready. And as each game goes on, he's getting fitter. He's getting leaner. He's getting stronger. He's the one leading the press. And then, yeah, the goal, um, like many goals we've seen from Bradley Dak over the years, there isn't anyone better in that six-yard box uh, for Rovers. You know, he is an experienced championship player now. He anticipated the ball well and for the goal, stayed calm, as you say. Just that little feint, put the keeper on his backside and into the back of the net. Maybe a younger player might have gone for that first time and it had been blocked or something like that, but worth his weight in gold at the moment. And I think all Rovers fans are delighted that we've got the old Bradley Dak back, it seems, because they were two bad injuries. And even at the start of this season, it looked like we didn't have the old Bradley Dak. But I think it's fair to say now we have. And he's one of the first names on the team sheet again all of a sudden. And I'm personally delighted by that because we are a much better side with Bradley Dak in it. I think you're absolutely right. This Blackburn Rovers team is not a wash of players that are proven championship goal scorers. It's not a team littered with players where you go... He could step up and deliver and get us a goal today. But Dak is one of those. Alongside Brereton Diaz, he is, he is their best source of goal. Yeah. So to have someone of his quality, and it's fantastic composure, as you say, and I think a younger player or even someone just less confident in front of goal or less seasoned in front of goal than Dak would have taken that on first time. But the little feint and then just shuffling it around the, the leg, outstretched leg of the defender, really good finish. I have to say, really good play from JRC in the build-up as well to, to get onto his left foot and a good shot at goal. And it's interesting with Bradley Dak, and I wrote something on Lanks Live this uh, last week about this, where obviously he's out of contract in the summer. Blackburn do have the option to extend that by 12 months um, on his current terms. And I think if we were even discussing Bradley Dak's future beyond the end of 2023 summer, you know, six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, it just would have been a non-starter. It was almost like we couldn't see a way where he was at the club beyond January, never mind talking about extending it beyond the summer. Am I 100% sold that Thomason thinks he is the perfect player for his side? I'm not sure. And it's going to be really interesting to see how they handle it in the summer. He's obviously on decent wages as well. Where would you stand? Is it a no-brainer for you to give him a new contract? It's it's sort of, for me, it's interesting because I think he's definitely worth one because of where the squad is at the minute. But I just wonder how long-term or short-term the club are going to think with his contract, with Daniel Ayala as well, who's someone else that's out of, of contract in the summer. They both offer 
different qualities, but they are probably shorter-term fixes than the long-term. And that intrigues me about what the club do. I think there's a couple of things I'll say on this one. So the first, um, we aren't awash with money. We don't have money that we can go and spend, even to go and get a good Premier League loanee, for example. Um, you know, we're quite low down the, the pecking order and low down the food chain with that. So for the money that we've likely got to spend, um, where are we getting another Bradley Dack from? Um, and there's arguably other positions that we might need to fill as well, positions that we didn't fill um, during this January transfer window, for example, like we spoke about last week. So that's the first thing I'll say. Secondly, I'll look at someone like Adam Wharton and could you mould Adam Wharton into a number 10 role? Could he play off a striker? I think he's got the technical qualities. It's it's obviously developing that that composure and that sixth sense to to sniff out space in the eighteen yard box. And with good coaching, I think you can do that. I think he's got the technical ability, certainly. Mm. So if you could mould someone like Adam Wharton, and um, that's the longer term view, isn't it? Do you give a big contract to Bradley Dack, or do you mould someone like Adam Wharton into that position? I think the side I'm leaning at the moment, with us likely losing Raritan Diaz. Um, at the end of this year. And with the fact that we didn't do anything in the January transfer window with attackers, we've got to keep good attackers at this club. And we've got to keep people that want to play for this club as well. The good thing about Rovers, it seems these days, is we are full of players that want to play for this club that have come through the academy. Absolutely. And we've had years go by with these chances and these idiots <laughs> that have played for the clubs, if you want to be polite about it. So, Bradley Dack absolutely wants to play for Rovers and he probably owes a little bit to Rovers as well because we've been patient with those two injuries. And I just think the two of us staying together in that regard, you know, I'd be giving him that contract. But I think you're right on your reflection about Thomason. Um, and if we offer, a, you know, a slightly controversial view here, Brereton Diaz's form has dipped when Bradley Dack has come back into the side. So is there an impact on other players by playing Bradley Dack? You know, I'll leave the more intelligent people to figure that one out. Well, there's no one on this podcast that's going to help with that then. So, um, there's also there's no reason why the two to why they couldn't agree new terms. Just because the op- club have the option to extend by twelve months, there's no reason why he couldn't sign a new one year deal on different terms, for example, or a two year deal with different incentives on on how many minutes are played uh, with maybe another option if he gets X amount of minutes or whatever. So much you can do these days, but it's certainly an interesting one. I think. Nine out of ten Rovers fans would say no brainer, get him signed up. And I think you also make a very good point that they're not awash with top quality championship attackers. We've seen how difficult they are to get through the door in the last two two windows in particular. They've had deals lined up, they've not been able to get them over the line, even in terms of loan deals, never mind going out and paying the money to, to actually sign someone permanently. So that's another consideration for them. In terms of the the team on Saturday then, obviously Tyrese Dolan came in down the middle. Centre forward has been a problem position. It was on this podcast last week that we made the point that maybe Dolan deserved a run down the middle, if not for his attacking threat, but as much of what he can offer off the ball. And I think he certainly delivered on that front. Jack Vale wasn't in the matchday squad. Um, Sam Gallagher on the bench again. How did you think Tyrese Dolan did in that number nine role? I thought he did really well. And I think I'm still not sold on this false nine that we play. Um, I said last week on the podcast that I prefer us to have that central presence, which is occupying centre-back. So that's my my view overall on the false nine. If you're going to play that position, you've got to have someone like Ty Dolan because he works hard. He's a constant threat. He harries the defenders, etc., etc. 
And that false nine works for me when you've got the three behind who are a threat and who contribute. So obviously we need a bit more from Diaz at the moment. Sorba Thomas is coming on the right. Bradley Dak is now getting the goals. So that works if those three behind the false nine are, are playing well. Ty Dolan's performance, um, what I really liked about him on Saturday, um, he did the dark arts of the game. Um, you know, he, he did the, the winding up the defenders. He was not shying away from tackles. He was not shying away from the pressure. I think Ryan Porteous was giving it in his ear, you know, occasionally, things like that. Ty Dolan is a fully-fledged championship-level player now. Someone who, like Neil Warnock, for example, would like with the way that he played on Saturday. So I think Ty Dolan played really well. Um, if we're going to do this false nine, I'd prefer Dolan over Vale because I think Vale for me is that traditional number nine that needs to be in the box needs the service, needs the deliveries. Ty Dolan, with the way we play and the fact that we don't create many chances, for me, it's better having Ty Dolan in there because he'll do all that harrying and all that other stuff. And obviously, he can get involved on either wing as well, Carney, with his natural position that he's had through his youth career. So good performance from Dolan. I really liked how he played on Saturday. Yeah, it probably gives them more fluidity in the attack. Um, and it's really good to hear about you, say, because I think there's been plenty of games away from home and at home where... Rovers have been a little bit of a soft touch. They have been a little bit naive. It's a young group of players that's going to happen. And having such a young group probably means players that would normally be younger players are going to have to step into more mature roles and, and be the leaders. Like Scott Wharton, for example, is only in his second full proper season at championship level. And yet we look at him now as one of the leaders of that back line, along with Dom Hyam. I mean, if you look at the weekend, Scott Wharton by far is the, and him and Harry Pickering are the two leaders and they're both under 26 so it just shows where the squad is at as well um Hayden Carter's had a lot of praise as well for his performance I thought he did well on Monday night against Wigan without being overly tested and it's been a really interesting season to see him develop because he came back from Portsmouth with a lot of hype around him Portsmouth wanted to sign him per permanently and they were very public in that pursuit I think there's been some question marks of is he a right back is he a centre back is he a right centre-back in a three? Can he play in a flat four? For me, he's never been a right-back. He's certainly never been a right wing-back. So you either play him at centre-back in a back four or play him in on the right of a back three. I don't, I don't particularly want to see him play anywhere else. He can push play right-back in a four if you're away from home and trying to be very defensive. But I think in this Thomason system, particularly when Sorba Thomas wasn't at the club and it was Ryan Hedges on that side, if Carter was at right-back, you just missed any sort of thrust or attacking it intent down that side and that's not his fault you know he's a he's a centre-back really and I think it's nice to see him get some praise get a run of games and it's been good we'll come on to team selection and things for, for the upcoming games but it'll be really interesting to see what happens with Dom Hyam coming back equally at right back with Joe Rankin Costello doing so well and, and Callum Britton coming back and again Lewis Travis good in midfield and, and I thought he was very good on Monday night so some some impressive performances in there as well Ryan. Yeah, I'm pleased you mentioned Hayden Carter because um, I actually think first half, him and Scott Wharton didn't really need to do too much because the threat for Watford was Hal Pedro dropping off into the, the spaces in that midfield area. It was Saar um, down there, left-hand side, uh, who Joe Rankin-Costello defended really well. And then Gasper getting down there, right-hand side. Brereton Diaz was having to, to really track back and work hard with him. So first half, Carter and Wharton didn't need to do too much. Second half, though, they brought on Keenan Davies, or Keenan Davis, sorry. 
Uh, he ran Rovers ragged last season for Nottingham Forest at Ewood. So when he was coming on, I was really worried. But then Carter was up for that fight. He was up for it. Um, aerially, on the deck, wasn't bullied, all those things. Hayden Carter really put in a sterling performance against Keenan Davis, who is a good championship-level striker, isn't he? They also brought on a Sombolonga, someone who we've been linked with before. Um, and you just knew how that story was going to end in many respects. But Hayden Carter and Scott Wharton, they were both like, yeah, we're up for this one. So both of them really solid. But Hayden Carter in particular, he seemed to be the one that was marking Keenan Davis. And Davis just did not have a look in. So really, really impressive performance from Carter. I'm pleased you've mentioned him. And yeah, he showed um, some good pace as well, Carter. Um, one to watch for, for Thomason. If they have got you know, the opposition have got a quick striker or, or something along those lines. I actually thought Carter showed some real bursts of pace more than any of the others that I've seen. So, yeah, he's given him some food for thought. And we said it last week with Thomas Kaminsky uh, potentially coming back for Ainsley Pears. Dom Hyam, you know, as good as he's been, he's going to have to earn his place back with how Carter played, certainly. And that's what you want. And I think at times that's been the problem that Thomason's felt he's not had that strength and depth and those players that have generally played in the Carabao Cup or been fringe players haven't staked enough of a claim to give him selection dilemmas but he's certainly got that and even if Kaminsky's fit although it doesn't look like he'll be back anytime soon um, you know these three positions say goalkeeper Aisley Pez doing really well Rankin Costello was on the loan list going into January and now he's probably been Rovers most consistent player in 2023 Bradley Dack was completely out of the picture. Up there was one of the best players for 2023. Carter coming in the last couple of games, doing really well. Scott Wharton's had a little bit of a point to prove in the last few games, ever since he got dropped for the Burnley game, which was a bizarre decision. But ever since then, his form, for me, has looked a little bit shaky compared to the very high standards that we hold him at. Um, and I think these players have had to prove themselves. Travis, another one. And I think we're going to end up going through the squad and at each point, everyone's going to have had a little spell out of the team and had to approve themselves. But that, if done in the right way, it's probably a very fine balance between losing the dressing room, which is not something yeah. I generally trans uh, prescribe to as a an actual thing, really. And and equally getting everyone on their toes. It's a fine ba fine balance, but Rovers seem to have, have certainly at the moment, when, it, when it's going right, you look like a bit of a genius. And if we are to make top six, that is the only way we can do it. You know, I'm just going to look at Watford's bench here for, for Saturday, for example. Keenan Davis, Ken Semmer, Tom Cleverley, Ibrahim Loser, I think that's his first name, Britta Sombolonga, Christian Cavasaley. You know, most of them walk into a lot of championship sides. And we're going to cover West Brom shortly. And we've spoken about other sides. Genuine quality coming off the bench. Rovers are probably still work in progress in that regard. When you look at who we're bringing on, you know, Sam Smodix, Ryan Hedges, Sam Gallagher. Is it promoting the same kind of reaction in other championship sides? Maybe not. So the way that we get into the top six is, as you say, create that hunger in the squad so that when Dom Hyam is coming back, when Sam Smodix has had a good start to the season and currently finds himself out the side, when Ryan Hedges was arguably the fans player of the season for the first two, three months, these players know when they're back in, right, I'm on it. That type of hunger, that balance that you just described, that ultimately could be the stuff that gets us into the top six because we've got a whole squad performing. And when someone dips down, like you could argue Tyler Morton, for example, at the moment, has had a slight dip. You bring in someone in who's hungry, John Buckley, Lewis Travis, because they've had their time out. So 
yeah, you're right to highlight the balance. But I think for me, if that whole squad unity, we need to be greater than the sum of our parts because other teams have got better parts than what we have. So, yeah, it's one to watch and the only way that we do it in my mind. Yeah, and that's been done. You know, you look at the championship last season, Luton and Huddersfield, they they were two squads that were certainly financially inferior inferior to, to other teams, but creating that competition, getting the most out of each individual player, that's how it can be done. Um, but a good point on the road, I think, from a, from a Watford point of view. I just want to go on to something now that Thomason spoke about in press on Friday, which is something I asked him about. He, he'd said quite a lot before the World Cup break that he thought Rovers would be a far better team before it. I think a lot of fans would say that hasn't been the case prior to Saturday with eight points from eight games. But he felt they'd become a better team, certainly on the ball, chance creation. And I just had a little delve into some of the numbers this morning. And from Blackburn's last eight games, including the Watford draw, they've created an expected goals tally of 6.31. Now, for anyone that doesn't know what expected goals is, that is basically the quality of chance that's been created um, for an opportunity, very much the old-fashioned way of going to a game and going, they could have had five or six. It's it's just a, a, a statistical way of measuring that. So they've had they've expected on the chances created, they should have scored six point three one goals in the last eight. Um, and before that, the, the eight games before the World Cup break, it was six point five two. So there's absolutely no difference in the actual numbers, but the points difference. They took fifteen points from the eight games before the World Cup break from an xG of six point five two. And this time, only nine points from eight games with an extra 6.31. It probably shows that they're certainly not regressed. They're probably where they were. But that clinical edge in front of goal, you think people, the attackers that have been out of form, you know, you haven't had Sam Gallagher lashing one in from 25 yards like he did at Middlesbrough. Brereton Diaz curling one in like he did against Sunderland, for example. And there was a lot of talk about Blackburn's underlying metrics in the early part of the season when they were overperforming. And I think they're just probably regressing to the mean a little bit more now and it's leveling itself out. So yes, they do need to create more chances. Yes, they, we'd all like them to be more fluid going forward. But I think this drop-off hasn't really been... If you, It doesn't really meet the eye test. It's probably just the same and the finishing's not quite as hot as it once was. Yeah, eye test is the great way of describing it, Elliot, because I love the stats and, and all of that stuff. Sadly, don't have the brain to, <laughs> to analyse them or, or offer a view in that sense. So I do use the stats to complement my own eye test. Um, really surprised Thomason said that, that we're all of a sudden a, a much better side because it's not met the eye test. You know, we've had some shocking results in, in that period since the World Cup break. Um, and even Watford on Saturday, as much as I've, you know, wax lyrical about the away performance. We've not created a load of chances. We've not put Watford under a load of pressure. We've not looked dangerous on the counter-attack all the time. You know, these are things that didn't just happen in the Watford game. It happened in the previous game at Wigan, at uh, home to Wigan. It happened in the previous league game before that, away at Bristol City. Don't get me started on the game away at Rotherham. So eye test is is the right word to describe, Elliot. And also regress to the mean. That's a fair point as well. We all, we said it last week on the podcast. We all know that we weren't expecting top six and we probably weren't expecting to make top six before the season started either. So we know that. And yes, we have regressed to the mean. This is where the manager earns their corn. Can we change the system? Can we change the style? Can we do something different to say, right, 
We've had a really got a good start to the season. What can we do differently? Can we go a bit more direct? Can we play a bit more ugly? Can we stop playing it out from the back? Can we stop doing these things that we've done all season? Because we've now reached a point where we have regressed to our mean. So I've just said about the players that we need to be greater than the sum of their parts. We now need the manager to change the system and make the system greater than the sum of its parts. And some teams have done it in a really ugly manner. It can be done. So, um, yeah, regress to the mean is, is a great point, Elliot. And um, it is a painful watch at times. You know, I, I would love us to create more chances. I'd love us to hit the post and bar and feel like we're putting a side under pressure, looking likely and all those things. So we are going to have to be patient. And how we get ourselves out of this mean is going to be the next interesting step, isn't it? Yeah, it's about staying ahead of the curve, isn't it, ultimately? Yeah. and. There has been a little bit more consistency in selection. I think there was a lot of chopping and changing from a back three to a back four, particularly before the World Cup break. I don't think we they played a back three once. Um, obviously, I've been off for some of that period, but I'm pretty sure they've started with a back four in every single match since then. So a little bit more consistency in that selection where we're not seeing maybe maybe seeing a few more square pegs in square holes. Bradley Dak as an actual number 10. Ryan Hedge is not playing as a weird right wing back in possession, uh, out of possession, but playing basically as a left central midfielder in possession and getting caught in transition. So since the since the World Cup break, we've seen a little bit more consistency in that selection, which is good. There's two big games coming up this week, Ryan. Obviously, West Brom away from home. On Wednesday night, they're pretty imperious at the Hawthorne since Carlos Corbran came in. They've won their last six games in front of their own fans. They haven't even conceded a goal in that time. They've not conceded at home since his first game, which was a, a 2-0 defeat to Sheffield United all the way back in, I think it was the end of October. But we saw on Friday night, they, they lost 2-0 against Birmingham City. And we saw that there are weaknesses in that. There, there were chinks in the armour particularly between the sticks. David Button in goal, someone who certainly cost them two goals. He, he was well out of position for Hannibal's free kick, which which he gave him the eyes and stuck into the bottom corner. And then also the, the second goal, which was a corner that came in. Button came to punch it, completely missed it, and Christian Bielik headed into the back of the net. So shoot on sight would be my first instruction because it's a very good defence and it's a very good rear guard. But if you can get efforts on goal from distance, then there's opportunities there for, for players to follow in, for him to potentially drop the ball or to push it back into danger. And I think that's got to be Blackburn's best um, best avenue to goal. They're going to have to be really good in transition because they are going to spend time without the ball. They're going to have to defend deeper. West Brom are, in my mind, the third or fourth best team in the championship right now, behind Middlesbrough and, and obviously the top two. So... They're going to have to be really good in transition. They're going to have to make the right decisions. They're going to have to counter-attack well. But there is a, an opportunity to certainly get at the goalkeeper if they can make the most of some presentable opportunities on the break. Yeah, it's going to be a really, really tough game. And thank you for depressing me with the fact that they've won the last six on the bounce without conceding a goal against the side that creates the least chances in the championship. So thank you for that one, Elliot. Um yeah, this is going to be tough. Um, last week on the podcast, we said, if you're subscribing to the view that Rovers can make top six, let's see how we do at Watford. We've passed that little test. We stood up. We got a good draw. 
this is another one. Um, I can't believe West Brom are starting this game below us. <laughs> when you look at the table, that's crazy. Just shows how tight it is. But this is going to be a really tough game. They are going to be licking their wounds after that Birmingham game. Um, it's not the derby for them. You know, Wolves is is their big rival, but that Birmingham defeat will hurt West Brom. You know, they took a lot of fans to Birmingham. I have got no doubt that Carlos Corberan is going to be getting that side fired up, licking their wounds, feeling like they want to put that right, what happened to them on Friday night. What better way to do it than against a playoff rival that currently sits above you? And Corbyn, for me, is one of the best managers at this level. Um, I think tactically he is absolutely fantastic. Um, I've seen a lot of analysis on West Brom since he took over. And for me, it's those in-game changes that Corbyn might be able to make to his side, which makes him a dangerous side against Rovers. You know, we could go there and be really uh, tight, really compact, show some of the same Watford stuff um, that we've spoken about already. Corbyn might just make that little tweak to his formation, that little tweak to the approach that makes them dangerous. And they've got players that can hurt us. Asante White, Diangara, um, Jed Wallace, Daryl DK. They've got players that can hurt us if Corbyn switches that side around. So I think it's going to be a really tough game for Rovers. I really do. They've not conceded a goal in the last six at home for a reason. Clearly, they're very compact and tight and hard to break down. And for me, it's a game that says law of averages. If this is a side who's compact at home and they're hard to break down against a side that doesn't create many chances on the road, Rovers are going to do really well, aren't we, to sit and just hope that we're tight and compact and don't concede for a whole 90 minutes. So we are going to have to come out. We are going to have to try and do something. And maybe that's when we're then vulnerable because we've opened up some spaces for for Corbyn to exploit. So for me, a really, really tough game, arguably tougher than Watford, actually, because I think Watford are a strange side in that they've got lots of individuals that don't necessarily come together in the right way and their work in progress. I would not label that against West Brom. I think every player in this squad and in this starting eleven knows what their position is and knows what their role is. And for me, makes it a much tougher game. No, I completely agree with you, your analysis on West Brom and Watford and the different challenges there. I think they're a far better, well-drilled team. And you potentially would say that that Watford are, have got a better group of individual talents, as you say, with Smar and uh, Ismail Asar and Joao Pedro. But I think West Brom are, are a more well-oiled machine and certainly have a have a well, uh, well-drilled system. Tactically, would you make any changes then? I think, obviously, we've got... Callum Britton's not going to be quite ready to start still. I, I think he's probably he probably wouldn't have been part of the matchday squad if Teo Eden hadn't been ill. Um, he probably needs another hour for the under-21s before he's anywhere near contention to start. So JRC should keep his spot at right-back. Hayden Carter would have been waxing lyrical, but then you've got Dom Hyam who played for the under-21s on Saturday. Is that probably a too quick a turnaround to go from playing for the 21s on Saturday to be starting at the Hawthorns? It's a Wednesday rather than a Tuesday, which gives him an extra chance, but maybe Swansea's one more one you're looking at with him. Would you change the midfield balance? Do you go with Buckley maybe instead of Morton? Do you add an extra body in there? But then we've just been speaking about how good Bradley Dack has been. Would What changes would you make, if any? Um, so, Callum, let's work through the ones you said. Callum Britton, um, not this game. I think this is a tough game. JRC is banging form. You keep players that are playing well in that starting lineup. So, Callum Britton, eyeball the Swansea game if, if JRC is looking a bit tired. Um, defensively, um, 
as much as we've just mentioned Hayden Carter and, you know, sang his praises, if Dom Hyam is fit and available, I want him is, back. Is it Hayden Carter or is it Scott Wharton that potentially drops out? Yeah, and that's it. Especially and you, you it, were speaking I, about Keenan Davison, his his quality is now Carter stood up to that. Daryl DK is a very similar sort of figure yeah. they're gonna they're gonna be put up against. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, you can make the case for Hayden Carter there. I think the thing, if you take Scott Water now, is obviously the left sided centre back, the left footer. Do you disturb the balance having Hyam and Carter? Would it force JDT to maybe change the formation back to get Hyam into that squad? I just prefer it at a ground like this. If you've got Hyam fit and available. I think you need Dom Hyam available because, um, you know, he's an experienced head in that back line that might just guide Carter, might just guide... Would Walton, you be tempted so... to go to the back three then? Because they could potentially still go with the back three, two wing-backs in JLC and Pickering, and you could still play Dak as a 10 behind Brereton, Diaz and Dolan. So you'd essentially, it'd be Thomas that comes out with the two sitting midfielders in front. If the game plan is to contain West Brom, which it probably is, <laughs> we've seen be very little evidence that, that would suggest it won't be. <laughs> I think, yeah, you could you can make the case for that formation switch. It just provides that little bit more solidity. Um, what that does to Sorba Thomas, though, for example, would he be a right wing back? Yeah, maybe, he could, he could even come in at right mm. wing back potentially. It's a, a role he played mm. for Huddersfield Town on a few occasions. Yeah, so I think formation-wise, it changes quite a lot from what was a good performance on Saturday. Personnel-wise, I just want someone like Dom Hyam there. Um, The other player I'd be changing is Brereton Diaz. I think he needs a rest. Um, What I will say on Saturday, he did a really good job of tracking Mario Gasper. So that was clearly a game plan from Slavin Bilic. He told Gasper, get forward, get forward, get forward. Because I think he identified if he can get Brereton Diaz going back towards his own goal rather than towards the Watford net, that in itself is a tactical masterclass for me because it completely nullified and knackered Brereton Diaz. I think there was that where clip where you could see him chasing after him. And he, he just he was just oh, short of energy, wasn't he? He was gone. And I think you could probably argue just a little rest, you know, get him off the bench, chomping for the bit. If it's a game where we're going to contain West Brom and we're going to work hard, I can make for the case for someone like Ryan Hedges to start the game, put in the work rate. If it's still nil-nil, if we're still in the game, you can then bring on a fit and rare into go Brereton Diaz to maybe try and win the game in that second half. So I'd be starting Hedges over Brereton Diaz just to give him that little rest, just to freshen him up a little bit because he's not quite been there. Um, Midfield-wise, um, yeah, I thought Lewis Travis, as you say, um, was, was really good on Saturday. I still just want a little bit more from Lewis Travis in terms of that that quality in midfield, you know, just those little threaded balls, that little bit of bravery to take on a man. I want to see a bit more of that from Lewis Travis, but he played well. Um, Tyler Morton, yeah, he, he's going through his toughest spell for, for Rovers at the moment. You could make the case for Buckley, but for me, I think it's flip of a coin with Travis Morton Buckley at the moment. I don't necessarily think either one of them is out-competing the other to a massive degree at the moment. So, you know, just two of those three, really. Yeah, I would I would stick with Lewis Travis, definitely. And then I probably would bring Buckley back, I think. I, Tyler Morton's been someone where I think I've expected more. And I don't... I, I probably maybe wrong on my part because I think that a player that's played at the San Siro been trust by Jurgen Klopp and coming from Liverpool... 
could I say hand on heart, I've seen enough where I could say he is a class above what Blackburn have, have already got, where those minutes could have gone more to Adam Wharton or to John Buckley? No, but that's hindsight. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. Um, so for me at the minute, I, I would probably be going with Travis and Buckley. And I would probably would stay with the back four, I think. I think I would I would stick with the same team. I think I would just make that one change and go for Buckley. I know you could make an argument for Dom Hyam. Is the turnaround a little bit quick from playing 60 minutes yeah. or whatever he played up for the under-21s to then playing on the Wednesday against a really tough West Brom side? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I, I think if I was going to bring Hyam in, I, th- I think it'd be for Scott Wharton, potentially, because I think the physical attributes and the athleticism of Hayden Carter against Daryl DK is something I, I would want to prioritise. I think I'd go Travis and Buckley in midfield. And then I think I would stick with Thomas, Dak, and I would stay with Bereton Diaz. I, I completely agree with what you're saying. And I think the Swansea game might be a little bit more of an opportunity to rest in where you're going to have players um, where it's game's going to be a little bit more open. But I just think that the direct running and the athleticism of Bereton Diaz on the counter-attack in that sort of game, if the if you're only going to get two chances in the game, you want one of them to fall to him or one of them to fall to Bradley Dack. And if you bring Ryan Hedges in, I don't think you can have that same confidence. Now, against Swansea on Saturday, I think that you've got more licence to potentially create more opportunities. I think that someone like Hedges is a bit more subtle and a bit more, um, not skillful, but it, but he plays sort of a bit more more centrally, a bit more creatively than Brereton Diaz. I think that he'd probably be a better fit for that game. So I think I would just go for the one change and that would be um, Buckley for... Morton, potentially, I think you could bring Hyam in at, at left centre-back for, for Scott Wharton as well. But everyone's done really well and it's good to see them competing, as you say. Saturday, of course, Swansea come to town under Russell Martin. We know that they're a very heavy possession side, but they can be hurt in transition as they were when Blackburn went to South Wales and scored three goals on the counter uh, counter-attack. They've also got a bit of a soft underbelly from set pieces too. So... What would be a good week? I think you'd snatch your hand off at four points right now, wouldn't you? Yeah, four points. Um, because I think if well, five points if you count the Watford game. Yeah. If you've got two rivals there that that haven't beaten you, you know, if you've taken a point, they're no further away. And then yeah, you get promotion, you make playoffs on your home form. So we've got to keep that home form ticking over. The the draw against Wigan was obviously disappointing. So yeah, pick up the point on at the Hawthorns, win the game against Swansea. That's a good week. But then you've got to hit those other home games and then probably sneak a few away wins in there as well. Arguably, quote unquote, you know, less good sides than, than Watford and West Brom. Right, Ryan, we'll round off this week's podcast with our Rovers riddle. We've had plenty of interest and lots of uh, submissions for last week's entry. Ryan decided to set in the task of uh, he gets 24 hours to work it out. Um, And if he hadn't by then, then he was going to admit defeat. Ryan, how did you get on with the two last week? One out of two and the festive one is just driving. It has lived rent-free in your head this week, hasn't it? I... (laughs) I've been really proud of myself. I've not gone in search of anything. I've not sought any help from anyone. And this is going to be a genuine shock when I find out that it's nothing to do with crackers or holly or presents or anything like that, because I just cannot figure it out. Okay. Um, Have you ever heard of a Paraguayan number nine? Oh. Oh. 
Oh, Jesus Christ. I feel like we might, might need some sort of su- suicide watch here, <laughs> just in my own reaction. Why, why did my head not say even the word Santa no, when I'm thinking? Literally before we hit record this morning, he, uh, I, I asked him if he'd still not worked out, and he was talking about Holly, he was talking about <laughs> all sorts, but not Santa. Roque oh, Santa dear. Cruz was the missing one, and for those that didn't get the other one, the, the other answer was Jordan Rhodes, of course. So two prolific Blackburn Rovers number nines in their pomp. Now... This week's Rovers Riddle, make sure, again, you're tweeting us at Inside Brockle with your answers. And obviously, Ryan will, will give his answers if he manages to get them on next week's podcast. <laughs> so, number one, Archie Windsor is learning to do this. That's Rovers Riddle number one. And number two is, that bird is stuck in a huge block of ice. As number two. Yeah, certainly <laughs> it niche. sounds wrong, that second one. Um, have a little think, and obviously, we'll reveal your answers on next week's pod. Um, make sure you get involved. Tweet us at Inside Brockle your answers to the Rovers riddles. And obviously, we'll have a new one next week. But that rounds us up for this week's episode. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. We had a great reception to the debut podcast last week. So thank you to everyone that sent kind messages. Make sure you're following us at Inside Brockle. We are now fully functioning and live across all your usual podcast apps. So whether that's Spotify, Google Play, um, Spotify, the Apple App Store, Make sure you subscribe because you'll get the the fresh episode every Monday straight into your podcast app. So make sure you're following us on uh, Inside Brockle on Twitter. Subscribe, share it with a friend if you've enjoyed the pod. We're still hoping to grow and reach new listeners. So make sure that uh, if you've enjoyed the pod, leave us a review on whatever your podcast app is and then share it with a friend who might enjoy the podcast. Thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you next week for another episode of the Inside Brockle podcast. (laughs) 